You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this episode of the Locked On NBA Draft, I'm going to do my prospect of the week. It is one of my favorite under-the-radar freshman prospects in college basketball. And then in the final two segments, I'm going to go back and grade myself on my preseason predictions for the most improved players in the NBA. You are locked on the NBA draft. It is a Wednesday morning. It is me, your host today, Sam Ferris. Always excited to talk hoops. You can follow me on Twitter at Draft Dummies. I'm constantly there posting a lot of clips, both of NBA uh, rookies and sophomores, as well as the prospects that are preparing to be the next crop to be drafted into the NBA. Watch a lot of college basketball, a lot of NBA, and I'm going to be talking about both of those things on today's episode. But thank you for making this episode of the Locked on NBA Draft podcast. Hopefully your first listen today, and again, I also hope that is the case every day. We have a couple other very good hosts, in my humble opinion, and I think I've got a fun topic for you today. The prospect that I'm going to start out talking about as my prospect of the week is Deron Holmes out of Dayton. And then in the second and third segments today, I'm going to quickly go over the five guys that I predicted I kind of did my own all most improved team uh, predictions before the season started. And so I will reveal those guys that I predicted. I've talked about it on Twitter, but I want to go back and grade myself since we're like, what, like 70% of the way through the NBA season. We have a good feel for the seasons these guys are having. So it's important to hold yourself accountable. I'm going to go back and grade myself based on those predictions. Some very good in my opinion, and some that have been a little disappointing to me. But that's part of making predictions. And uh, without further ado, though, let's get in. I want to start with the college basketball. I want to start with Deron Holmes, who... My prospect of the week, one of my favorite under-the-radar prospects. Now, this class has a ton of bigs, whether you want to call them fours or fives, depending on... The prospect, a lot of bigs, it's a big, heavy class, not a lot of guards, you know, some wings mixed in there. But because of that, that that uh, makes me think that Deron Holmes might not even enter this draft just based on the supply of uh, just the number of these bigs entering the class. But he has been one of the most under-talked about freshmen in college basketball. And the way that I'm going to sell him to you is I'll start with a stat on him. So the stat is that I've looked at just the list of freshmen in, in games only versus top 100 competition in college basketball. So the BPM in games versus top 100 competition, the top five guys in college basketball are the following five guys. Number one, Chet Holmgren. Number two, Deron Holmes. Number three, AJ Griffin. Number four, Jabari Smith. Number five, Paulo Boncaro. 
So what does that sound like? To me, that sounds like four top five picks in the coming draft. And Deron Holmes is the extra guy there. And it's not even like he's at the bottom of the list. He's number two. Now, this la- this list is a little outdated. It's a few weeks old. Um, so the names may have changed a little bit, but I know Deron Holmes is still up there on this list. Okay, to put this list in perspective now, I'm going to give you the this same list, top five freshmen versus top 100 competition by BPM. I'm going to give you that same list of guys from last year. Okay, the list last year, number one, Evan Mobley. Number two, Scotty Barnes. Number three, Jalen Suggs. Number four, Cade Cunningham. Number five, Isaiah Jackson. That is basically like a who's who list of the best rookies in the NBA this season. When you talk about specifically the guys that were, again, freshmen last season. Now, you might say Isaiah Jackson doesn't belong in that list. In my opinion, he does. I love Isaiah Jackson. I had him as a top 10 guy, and I'm excited to see him now starting for the Pacers. But again, Evan Mobley, number one, probably the rookie of the year. Scotty Barnes, who's been on a tear recently. Uh, yesterday or two days ago now, had 24 points, nine rebounds on 10 of 10 shooting in the first half. Uh, he's kind of broken through that rookie wall recently. Jalen Suggs. Cade Cunningham, Isaiah Jackson. So that is, that's the list. There was no other random names on there. There's nobody that doesn't belong. Like that's a pretty definitive list. And then again, this year, so far, Chet Holmgren, number one, no question there. He's kind of far away ahead of pretty much everyone in BPM. Deron Holmes, AJ Griffin, Jabari Smith, Paulo Boncaro. So look, four top five picks in Holmes, who is very, very good. He would be a guy that I would promise in the second round if I need a big and I don't want to spend the draft capital on one of the guys in the first round. Uh, Try to get him as kind of one of those pre-draft guys, if you want to call it that. I don't know if he contributes year one. Probably not, but I view him as a a very solid big prospect. He's got good size. Again, he's just played very well this season against good competition. And he was actually the highest rated recruit ever to go to Dayton. 6'10 big, blocks everything around the rim, 10% block rate, moves his feet well. Um, One underrated indicator also with him when you look at him statistically is he does not turn the ball over hardly at all. Uh, Like really crazy. 14% turnover rate is really low. And in the... In 12 games versus top 100 competition, that goes all the way down to 10%. That's really, really good. Combine that with like being an above average passer too. Those are really good indicators, especially for a guy that's kind of more of a role player offensively at this point. Having that low turnover rate is a very good indicator. Plus that passing to me, that's huge. And so I like the tools. The athleticism is good. He moves pretty lightly on his feet. All the statistical indicators are really there with him and been equally good both offensively and defensively for a fun Dayton team. So just wanted to bring him up as kind of a guy, a flyer, pun intended, uh, that um, might enter the draft this year. If he does, a guy I would personally take in the second round. If he doesn't, though, I expect him to come back and dominate college basketball next season. 
Uh, hopefully I'll have a chance to talk about him more, especially if he enters the draft this season. But if not, he's going to be a guy that I promise you we will be talking more about next season. Um, but coming up next, I want to get into the five guys that I predicted or named as my almost improved team, you know, predicting before the season. going to grade myself and talk about why some of these guys have shown that improvement and why not for some of these other guys. So we'll do that coming up next. All right, NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. I love this and we know you will too. All you do is pick two to five players and an over-under on their prediction projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. It's safe and you can do it in under 60 seconds. They offer you also safe and fast withdrawals if you need to do that. Because you're listening to our show for a limited time, Price Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer where you get $50 for free if a player you pick in your first entry scores a single point. All you have to do is use code NBA. That's right, exclusive offer. $50 for free if they score a single point when you use promo code NBA. All right, well, the first thing I'm going to do is reveal the five guys that I picked. I picked three guards and then a forward and a center. Uh, the, the Well, we'll start with the guards. The three guards I picked, I picked Darius Garland as one of my guards, Jordan Poole, Tyler Hero, um, and then for my forward, I picked Jaron Jackson. I thought it was kind of a make or break season in terms of his future, whether we viewed him and whether the Grizzlies viewed him as like a linchpin, a piece of their core, or if he was starting to become a little bit of a disappointment as a, a prospect. And then the fifth guy I picked as my center was Daniel Gafford. He's kind of been one of the guys that didn't live up to this billing so far this season in my opinion but let's start with the good let's start with the guards to me Darius Garland is the most interesting guy among these group of guards so the way I'm going to do this is give myself one thumbs up if I think it was a solid pick I'll give myself two thumbs up if I really hit the nail on the head here a neutral if uh, it was just fine but you know not really great in either direction both good or bad and then one thumbs down or two thumbs down, obviously, in the opposite direction if they really did not live up to my expectations. So for Darius Garland, right off the bat, two thumbs up for him. He has exceeded even probably my expectations. Going back to the draft, he was a guy that I had second in that class behind Zion, even had him above jaw, which, you know, is not looking like the best pick, but it's not looking as bad as it did uh, a few years ago. And coming into the season, I did kind of a lengthy film breakdown on him on Twitter, uh, talking about a lot of interesting aspects of his game. And I concluded that by saying that I firmly believed that he would make an all-star game in his career, that he was that talented. Now, little did I believe or little did I suspect that he would make that all-star game this season. In my opinion, it was w very well-deserved. With him just a couple numbers the on off stuff is really good 11.7 net rating it makes sense especially with sexton injured with ricky rubio injured and gone 
they don't really have that other creator and they've really struggled without him and with him they've been one of if not the most pleasant surprise in the nba so the Cavs have been really fun and darius garland and evan mobley and jared allen have been kind of the impetus behind that i really love watching him play i think his game is very aesthetically pleasing um a couple interesting points on him that i talked about in my preseason film breakdown on him is you know he is a point guard he's pretty small but he did share the floor with colin sexton and so i thought it was interesting last year he actually took more threes off the catch you know playing off ball he took more shots than he did off the dribble in terms of three-point shots which you know if you would ask that to the average person that just kind of that follows the nba but doesn't watch them that often or doesn't dig into the stats they probably wouldn't have predicted that because you think of him as the smaller guard on the ball so i kind of like that versatility with him uh, i think that's good and and you don't see enough of those guards you know uh act like steph curry that play with that gravity off the ball that are willing to move off the ball and are good off the ball shooters so that versatility he provides where he's you know very solid playing off of another creator but i did want to see him jack up his off the dribble three-point shooting especially just the volume uh he just frankly wasn't taking quite enough of those last year to be like that high-end star point guard and he started to do that this year um he's taking more off the dribble now than he is catch and shoot and so that that volume is up now the numbers are slightly down but that's okay you start with the volume there and and uh the efficiency will work its way back up the other thing that i thought was interesting with him was just how many floaters he took he didn't get to the rim quite enough in my opinion and so when you go and look at um just his shot frequency in terms of where he's getting his shots from i thought it was interesting that only 29 percent of his shots were coming from the rim but 40 percent were coming from mid-range including 30 percent from floater range so taking a lot of floaters so you know not that he's listening to my advice but i wanted to see him take more off the dribble threes and then hopefully get all the way to the rim a little bit more that would help just increase his efficiency he hasn't really done that he's leaned into even more of the floaters even more of the mid-range this year but it works if you make them and he has become just a lethal uh, shooter on all mid-range shots especially the floater which is you know kind of his patented shot at this point he ranks in the 96th percentile among all pl all guards so on floaters he's only behind tyrese halliburton and chris paul He's actually tied with Chris Ball for second, shooting 53.5% on floaters. On long twos, he's also shooting 52%. And so that mid-range number, he ranks 96th percentile in the NBA, one of the very best, 53%. So his improvement hasn't even necessarily come where I expected it, where I thought maybe he can get to the rim a little bit more and take a couple more threes off the dribble per game instead he's doubled down and just become uh, one of the best mid-range shooters and one of the best floater shooters in the nba so i think that's awesome i'm excited to see him and like i said 
he's going to be compared with Ja, even though he's not really, he's not on that level. He's not an MVP candidate like Ja is at this point. But I think it'll be interesting over the course of their career in terms of the total career output, just because, knock on wood, uh, don't want Ja to get injured, but just the way they play, Darius Garland is more of kind of the ground bound. He is, he is a jitterbug. He is super quick. His handle is among the elites in the NBA and super, super quick, kind of more Chris Polish, like prime Chris Polish in that way. And so I just, I can see him playing forever, holding up and playing until like mid thirties. And so it'll just be interesting to keep an eye on the career output um, in terms of the total thing. When we look back at their careers, hopefully 10, 15 years from now, but I love Darius Garland. One of my favorite players to watch. He has been even a pleasant surprise for me. And I love the way he's done it, leaning even more into the floater, into the mid range. And hopefully he can get back healthy and lead them into the postseason. Uh, the other guard I wanted to hit on is Jordan Poole, who I'll call it a neutral for me, not a win or a loss. I think outside observers that don't watch the Warriors as much as I do, because they are my favorite team, the one team that I do root for. Um, you might look at his stats, his raw numbers, especially since he started the whole season till Clay came back. But since then, it's just been a disappointment, though. Let me start with the positives on here. He continues to be one of the better rim finishing guards. Like he he can finish at a very high clip. 66% this year, 66% last year at the rim, which is very, very good for a guard. He's got a little bit stronger. He has a lot of finishing craft around the rim. And he's a good mid-range shooter, too. But the issue with him is the three-point shooting and the defense. He's down to 33% now from three. And frankly, it's a little bit concerning because he was 33% last year, 29% the year before. And look like going back to the draft with him, his value was being kind of a bigger shooter at like six foot five, really valued him as a potential shooting prospect. And it's kind of interesting that that part of his game hasn't really come along as much as the off the dribble and the finishing stuff. Just kind of fun how prospects can uh, vary so much from, you know, your scouting report on them. Just another example there. But defensively, he's one of the worst defensive guards, in my opinion, in the NBA. And the shooting numbers aren't good. So just the lack of defense, the lack of shooting is just a bad combination. And he's just just he has just disappointed a little bit as that second creator for the Warriors hasn't quite lived up to expectations. I think he was better, honestly, down the stretch last year than he has been for the majority of this year. He's a very up and down guy, but maybe I'm being a little bit um, recency bias here since he's been in another slump lately. I really hope he can get it going because the Warriors need that secondary ball handling and scoring, and he just hasn't provided it for them recently. Um, the on-off numbers with him are still like decent, but <laughs> when you're talking about on-off numbers on the Warriors, you have to break down with Steph and without Steph. So Poole with Steph on the court, plus 15 and a half per 100 possessions, and Poole without Steph is minus one and a half points per 100 possessions. So when he's out there with Steph, no surprise, he's been really, the numbers are good and without Steph. Also, no surprise to me who's watched all their games. He just hasn't been quite good enough. So 
there's not a lot else to add here. Like the craft with him is awesome. He's improved his handle a ton from the draft, become a very solid finisher. So he's improved in the areas that we thought were kind of weaknesses, you know, except the defense, but you just have to make shots, especially if you're not a good defender. The the mid range is there for him, and he's such a good free throw shooter too. I mean, last I checked, he led the NBA in free throw shooting at like ninety three percent. So you still want to believe the three point shot is coming along, but just eye test and I mean, he's built a decent sample now, shooting thirty three percent. So it, it's not really. I wouldn't be surprised if he just tops out at like a 35% guy in the NBA and that really caps his value. Uh, Coming up next though, after this break, I'll talk about just two more guys that stood out to me. Again, Daniel Gafford has been a little bit of a letdown in my opinion this year, but not too much really exciting there to be honest, hit on with him. So coming up after this, gonna hit on Tyler Hero and Jaron Jackson, how they've measured up to my expectations and why I picked them on my team as the guys that I projected to be the most improved. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Now, this is the time of year that most people have given up on those New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right. And the only reason I'm really doing it is thanks to Built Bar because I can eat them. They taste like candy bars, but they're very good and healthy for you. Uh, They've Got a new item called Puffs, which uh, I don't know if you've tried them, but they are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. It's a very interesting idea. I'm personally a big chocolate and marshmallow guy, and I like the taste. So they're fluffy, they're marshmallow-y, not just a protein bar. They are also a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Low-calorie, high-protein, replace your candy bars with these. They'll make you healthier. They'll make you happier. They taste better than even many candy bars, in my opinion. Because you're listening to us, go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, so I'm going to finish up with Tyler Hero and Jaron Jackson here. Uh, With Tyler Hero you do have to just start with the raw numbers and just kind of the eye test in my opinion this year where he's been the number two score for the best team or you know you could argue in my opinion the best team in the east in the miami heat this year there is certainly something to be said for just averaging over 20 points a game which he's done and then his game is also pretty interesting when you dig into it because similar to Um, similar to Darius Garland, but to an even greater extent, he doesn't get all the way to the rim. He obviously doesn't have that high-end quickness or athleticism. So he is, he is heavily reliant on the jump shot, but you know, when it goes in that, that works, that's fine. That works for everyone. So the biggest thing with him though, has been the jump in usage rate where he's gone from a 23% usage guy to a 29 So a big jump up. He's one of the higher usage rate guys in the NBA coming off the bench for Miami, being that infusion of energy and scoring that they need. And he's really, he's, he's been good this year. He, he's been as efficient as last year, even slightly more efficient while jacking up the usage. And that's a really good start. If young guys can take a jump 
in usage, in shot attempts, in the responsibility on their shoulders while maintaining the the efficiency, which he has done, then that's a big step forward for them. It's kind of that consolidating step you need to see from a lot of these young guys. One that, frankly, I don't think Jordan Poole has quite done, but Tyler Hero has. To me, he's like, I'll give myself one thumbs up because I thought it was pretty obvious that he was going to be better than he was last year. And I think people also overreacted because he had such a good bubble in his rookie season that his struggles last year were overrated, in my opinion, and and overlooked that he was basically the same player that he was as a rookie. And this year, he's getting more recognition because the raw numbers are up, the usage is up, he has more responsibility, and the efficiency has stayed just about the same, you know, shooting 2% or so higher from three. So been a really good step for him. I'm, I'm going to give myself one thumbs up. And, you know, just for the Miami Heat, because you might say that their one weakness as a team is half-court offense when things bog down, potentially in the playoffs. And they're they're going to rely on Hero's self-creation, his shot-making, and his jump-shooting, especially in the playoffs. So I'll be interested to see how well that holds up. So you might say this grade is kind of inconclusive on him because a lot is going to come down to how much he can provide for them in those big moments, making jump shots in the playoffs. Can that efficiency hold up on a tough shot diet? I think it can, but that's going to be what we have to wait and see. So the last guy here is Jaron Jackson. I'm going to give myself another one thumbs up. So, you know, overall, hitting on Garland, hitting on Hero, hitting on Jackson was good. Pool, like, I think overall has still been, like, a good call by me, but I am worried. And I would say, I'm not going to go back and revisit Pool completely, but... I just want to say that for him, his career is at a real crossroads here over the next 20 seasons because there were rumors the Warriors were going to pay him 20 mil a season coming up. And he just, he's really struggled lately. Like he's got a ton of promise, a ton of skill, but just the inconsistency there. And so these next 20 games are as big for him as almost any young player in the NBA. But overall, I think I did a good job calling this like, uh, Daniel Gafford just hasn't been able to sustain and like play enough minutes to really boost his numbers and be that improved. I thought we might see that from him this year, but he seems to have plateaued as just that 18 to 20 minute big, not super valuable. And so that was a disappointment and I would have to give myself a thumbs down for that one. But we're going to hit, now I'm going to hit on Jaron Jackson just to finish up here where, you know, availability is and ability it is important especially with him where the worry was you know he'd missed time with injury before but 62 games played this year is where we start with him that's very important now you might say how can you call him that improved this year the shooting numbers are not great especially for a big 48 percent on twos 31 percent on threes again he takes a ton of threes but aside from those numbers offensively which do need to get better like if they're going to make a playoff run, he's got to shoot better than that, especially just over a small sample of like a playoff series. Got to be shooting better than 31% from three, but still over the long haul, like high level looking at this team, the spacing he does provide gives them a ton of flexibility that they can play guys like a Kyle Anderson next to him. You know, even a Dylan Brooks, even a John ja Morant, who's not really a jump shooting point guard first 
Like, he provides that space and opens the paint. They can play Adams at center and kill people on the glass, which is what they've doing, been doing. And Jaron Jackson has been a little bit better rebounding this year as well. Obviously, rebounding isn't as much of a concern when he's playing the four next to a guy like Steven Adams. But the big piece with him is finally he's become the defensive anchor that we expected of him coming out of the draft, coming out of Michigan State. The on-off numbers really like him, and he's been a big part of them being Memphis, being a top 10 defense. So with Jaron Jackson on the court, they have a defensive rating of 107.8, which would rank fifth in the NBA. Um, and, And they've been a lot worse without him on the court. So he's become that. He's become a little bit better of a rim deterrent and protector. His block rate this year, is let me double check the number here it's i know it's in the 97th percentile among all bigs four percent block rate and also he's always been a very good steals guy because of his length and his hands for a for a big but very rare that you find a guy that's that good in terms of the steals both steals and blocks for a big and just the underlying numbers in terms of the actual impact for him have been much better So that's huge. Like, that was the biggest question with him. I think coming into the season, I talked about him as the biggest, like, pivot player in the season, where it's like, like, his future really depended on what he showed defensively, especially this season. And so he's come through. I'm excited for them. Excited to see the Grizzlies in the playoffs and how Jaron Jackson looks. Um, But... Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. My time has run out here. I was excited to talk about Deron Holmes, excited to revisit my, you know, almost improved predictions, which overall look good, could have uh, done better on a few spots, but can't ask for everything, right? So again, follow me at Draft Dummies on Twitter. Go ahead and give me uh, a DM or feel free to talk to me on there. Always excited to talk hoops. But most of all, thank you for listening to this podcast today. I hope that is the case every day. And uh, that's it. Thank you, listeners.